Good morning, everyone, and a very warm welcome to Morning Worship. Um, we're joined again by friends and family, not just remotely, but I see some of us are in our bubbles now. And so we've got family members with us, which is wonderful to see at last. And you are all very welcome. Special welcome to Lilius's son, Norman, who's with us today. Uh, Pam is having a wee break just now on Orkney, and we'll see her again in the near future. Uh, lovely too to see you back today, Talash. Hope you're feeling better. We so appreciated your contribution uh, in your absence to last week's service. It's amazing that you could do that even from a distance. Uh, so thank you, Talash. Uh, lovely to see Rachel again today. We hope you've had a, a good week, Rachel, and it's not been too overwhelming for you at work. So welcome everyone, even the folk that I've missed completely because I haven't seen you on the screen yet, but we'll get a chance to talk later. Our service this morning will be led by our minister, Katrina, but we'll also hear the voices of Mary and Ian, Barbara, Grace and Will. And again, we'll be singing along with ourselves from previous services, so we'll be hearing Paul on keyboard. Then this evening at 7pm, in place of our normal evening service, at the Baptist Union of Scotland will have their prayer uh, stream live at 7pm on Facebook Live. Now, just a wee note that Katrina will be on annual leave for the next two Sundays. So we are really delighted to welcome back Irene Campbell, who is the family and community pastor at Westwood Baptist Church, to lead morning worship uh, via Zoom next Sunday. I think I might ask her to um, email her sermon to me just in case the broadband goes down from East Bride. Uh, something else to think about. Um, Ken alerted me many years ago to the fact that you should always have a spare sermon in your pocket, but I think I'll maybe ask Irene for hers. Um, I know that uh, many more of us have been able to get out in this past week, but some of us are still shielding, and it may be that some of us will be asked to quarantine. So again, just to say, if anybody needs help with shopping or prescriptions to be collected, you just have to drop me an email or give me a ring. These are all our notices. Thank you very much, Anne. So I have some beautiful flowers here, um, lovely surprise that arrived for me during the week and very timely because our theme this morning is loosely around flowers and seed bearing plants. And our call to worship is just a very short verse from the book of Genesis with a wonderful promise from God. God said, as long as the earth endures, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, night and day will never cease.
And so let's come to God in prayer. Creator God, the ancient stories tell us that you are a gardener. You carefully prepared the soil to receive seeds and provided rivers and rains to water the good earth. You set our planet just the right distance from the sun so that its rays would warm the ground and ripen the fruit that came forth from the trees, shrubs and bushes to provide food for the creatures you love. Thousands and thousands of years have increased our understanding of agriculture and horticulture. We have discovered which plants are good for food and are rediscovering which have medical properties to alleviate or heal our diseases, as well as those which may be harmful to our health. And yet, still we can find our breath taken away by something as simple as a clump of wildflowers, daisies, buttercups, forget-me-nots and celandines, a dandelion clock or thistledown, the twirling of sycamore seeds on an early autumn breeze, or the glossy brown hardness of a freshly opened conker. We savour the diversity of native and imported fruit and vegetables available in our supermarkets, as well as in greengrocer shops, and yes, sometimes from gardens or allotments. We take for granted the availability all year round of produce that we know and sometimes need to be reminded is actually seasonal. We delight in the crunch of an apple or the sweetness of summer berries. We enjoy the heat of chilies or the soothing coolness of a cucumber. We choose our favourites from a huge variety of options. And some of us sometimes grumble. Perhaps that five a day is too big a challenge or that we can't get that one thing we desire. Creator God, who has promised that while the earth remains, there will always be a time to plant seed and a time to harvest produce. We praise and thank you for the wonder of the plant life we encounter every day. We recognise and confess the ways that our greed or complacency impact the plants of the earth. We receive your promise of forgiveness and recommit ourselves to be more grateful beneficiaries and more diligent stewards of your beautiful world. Amen. And we join our voices in the words Jesus taught his friends. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, 
thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Our first reading this morning is from Isaiah 55, reading verses 6 to 13. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake their way and the righteousness their thoughts. And let them return to the Lord that they may have mercy on them and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven, and do not return there until they have watered the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes out from my word. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and succeed in the thing which I sent it. For you shall go out in joy and be led back in peace. The mountains and the hills before you shall burst into song and all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. Instead of the thorn shall come up the cypress, instead of the briar shall come up the myrtle, and it shall be to the Lord for a memorial, for an everlasting sign that shall not be cut off.
has asked me to say something about the growing of uh, plants, fruit and vegetables, as I am one of the growing number, forgive the pun, of folks who enjoy getting their hands and their knees dirty when working on an allotment. I've had an allotment for more than years than I dare to admit, certainly over 50 years, so I'm sure you would assume that I'm really good at it, but I can assure you that is far from the truth. As each growing year begins, you say to yourself, this year I will succeed. However, here are the lists of my excuses. Too much sun, too little sun, too much rain, too little rain, too much wind, too many hungry magpies and pigeons, voracious slugs and snails, and friendly squirrels. However, one of the greatest thrills I find is when I plant a very tiny seed into the soil and lo and behold I see sometimes in a few days, sometimes in a few weeks, parsley and parsnip seeds teach you patience, a tiny little green shoot pops its head up through the soil. It really does give me a thrill. The differences in what evolves from such tiny seeds is amazing and I think wonderful. From tall pea plants above the ground requiring light but with fairly shallow roots to carrots and potatoes which grow in the dark under the soil to very tall raspberry canes to low-lying strawberry plants to mint that spreads like wildfire or to courgettes that, if you leave them too long, become enormous marrows. In the last two years, many of you will know that we moved house, and I had two apple trees in our garden, which we moved to our allotment, which was quite a feat in itself. But I was thrilled last year when they survived being transplanted, 
And as I speak at the moment, the last time I counted, I think yesterday, there was at least 20 apples on each of the trees. I also enjoy growing tomatoes and watching them grow from a tiny seed to a yellow flower and then hopefully into a ripe red tomato. The only problem with tomatoes is they need a lot of watering, which isn't too easy when you go on holiday. However, in the allotments, there are a wide variety of people and wildlife. There are foxes that walk around, birds that sing from the tall trees which surround part of the allotment, the robin who will come close to you as you dig, and the occasional beautiful butterfly that displays all its glorious colours on either a plant or a pathway. And as to my fellow allotment neighbours, many who find relaxation and peace working in their allotments. We are a very mixed bunch of people. Retired anaesthetists, musicians, university professors, cabinet makers, furniture shop owners, IT workers, gym teachers. There are some folks in wheelchairs who use raised beds to grow their plants. Some folks who like to be alone, while others are keen to chat. We also share not only advice and help about the plants, but also any excess of seedlings we might have. In the past few weeks, I have been given by my fellow allotmenteers some lettuce seedlings, some small leek plants, which were all surplus to their requirements. And I also was given some marigold plants from which I will eventually gather seeds to sow next year. However, as I said, I get a thrill in watching plants grow. And I often reflect on the different types of plants that come from seemingly small, unimportant seeds, which only begin to flourish when they are planted in soil and watered. I feel I can relate to many of the references in the Bible to seeds and plants and flowers. But I enjoy working with the soil. And as I see the wonder of nature, I find that it helps me in my belief of God as a creator. I came across this following paragraph in a magazine which we get, which I thought was appropriate for today. And here I quote. To be a gardener is naturally speaking to be contemplative. And surely all gardeners must ask from time to time, where do all these astonishing things come from? They are found at the very beginning of the Bible, from the first chapter of Genesis, vegetation, seed-bearing plants, and fruit trees, bearing fruit with their seed inside. They come into being on the third day. The writer goes on to say, and I agree with this statement, I'm not a fundamentalist, but it is reassuring to find that in this poetic creation myth, plants appear when the earth is ready for them. Gardens are hard work. They are also places of growth, just like faith. So I hope this has given you a very small insight into the joy of planting and watching seeds plants and flowers, whether on your windowsill, balcony or garden, start to grow and blossom, and that they give us all much pleasure and thankfulness.
Our next Old Testament reading is from Ezekiel chapter 11, 17. The word of the Lord came to me. O mortal, propound a riddle and speak an allegory to the house of Israel. Thus says the Lord God. A great eagle with great wings and long pinions, rich in plumage of many colors, came to the Lebanon. He took the top of the cedar, broke off its topmost shoot. He carried it to a land of trade, set it in a city of merchants. Then he took a seed from the land, placed it in fertile soil, a plant by abundant waters, he set it like a willow twig. It sprouted and became a vine, spreading out, but low. Its branches turned towards him, its roots remained where it stood. So it became a vine, it brought forth branches, put forth foliage. There was another great eagle with great wings and much plumage. And see, this vine stretched out its roots towards him. It shot out its branches towards him so that he might water it. From the bed where it was planted, it was transplanted to good soil by abundant waters so that it might produce branches and bear fruit and become a noble vine. Thus says the Lord God, I myself will take a sprig from the lofty top of a cedar. I will set it out. I will break off a tender one from the topmost of its young twigs. I myself will plant it on a high and lofty mountain. On the mountain height of Israel, I will plant it in order that it may produce boughs and bear fruit and become a noble cedar. Under it, every kind of bird will live. In the shade of its branches will nest winged creatures of every kind. All the trees of the field shall know that I am the Lord. I bring low the high tree I make high the low tree. I dry up the green tree and make the dry tree flourish. I, the Lord, have spoken. I will accomplish it. And reading now from the New Testament, from the Gospel according to Mark, chapter 4. Jesus said, The kingdom of God is as if someone would scatter seed on the ground and would sleep and rise night and day and the seed would sprout and grow. He does not know how. The earth produces of itself, first the stalk, then the head, then the full grain in the head. But when the grain is ripe, at once he goes in with the sickle because the harvest has come. He also said, with what can we compare the kingdom of God or what parable will we use for it? It is like a mustard seed, which when sown upon the ground 
is the smallest of all the seeds on earth. Yet, when it is sown, it grows up and becomes the greatest of all shrubs and puts forth large branches so that the birds of the air can make nests in its shade. With many such parables, he spoke the word to them. thank you to Barbara for sharing with us that was really wonderful Barbara thank you very much indeed one of the things I'm really enjoying this summer as we are sort of loosely following a theme of celebrating the natural world and creation is thinking which bible passages might God be leading us to look at and this week I had a very clear sense that I needed to find that bit in the Old Testament somewhere where a big bird plucks a bit off a tree and plants it somewhere. And it took me a while to find it. I could picture in my head where it sat on the page within my NRSV because I remember reading this in, in a college context many, many years ago. But I had to go to that wonderful thing called the internet and it took quite a bit of digging. It kept sending me to other passages that talk about seeds and plants and trees. Eventually, I got to that Ezekiel passage. And then I opened up the commentaries to see what the commentaries had to say about it. And I almost lost my nerve. I almost decided that wasn't what I should do. Because 
as the commentaries will tell you, it's quite clear what this passage means because it actually tells you in the bit that we didn't read. But that little nagging thought wouldn't go away. And actually, when I read the passage as we heard it and compared it with the Mark passage to which I also felt drawn, I had one of those hmm moments that suggests to me that maybe I'm, I'm just about in tune with what God's saying. You kind of used to me over the years, Lord, you sometimes speak in things that make you go, hmm. The story in Ezekiel describes itself as a riddle, as an allegory. And the thing with stories and allegories is they are complicated and multi-layered. They don't just have one neat, tidy meaning. We get that in the New Testament when Jesus tells parables. By and large, they're not explained to us. We just have to trust that um, what we understand, what we deduce from them is what God is saying to us. And it's the same here. So although there is a, a, a translation offered within the scriptures, I thought and feel it's right to retell that story in slightly more plain language and see if perhaps God has something to say to us today. A gardener took a cutting from a tall tree and planted it in good soil, close to abundant, an abundant water source. It sprouted roots and the branches spread far and wide. There were a lot of lush green leaves, but no flowers and no fruit. In time, someone else came to that garden and trained the branches the way they thought was best. But still, there was neither blossom nor seed-bearing fruit. Another gardener took a cutting from the tree and planted it in a very unlikely place. The thin, rocky soil at the top of a mountain. A place where streams would readily dry up. A place where the meltwater from winter snow was the main source of irrigation. And yet, the cutting took root and flourished. It put forth branches and leaves, and the buds turned into flowers, and the bees pollinated the flowers, and seed-bearing fruit formed. Birds flew to the tree, attracted by its shade from the summer sun, and by the berries to provide food in the winter. And God said, those who have ears to hear, let them hear. One of the things that really strikes me whenever I read church history, and I enjoy church history, is the way that the church adapts itself to the context in which it's in. And sometimes that's great, but sometimes it's not so great. The allure of the context sometimes is very strong and not always healthy. So whether it was the Roman Empire or the British Empire, whether it's this recent fascination with programs and professionalism and business models, so we get the language of executive pastors and 40 days of this and 50 days of that. These things may promote a form of growth, 
the church may appear to be bigger and stronger and have lots of leaves and lots of branches. So does it produce fruit? Sometimes the church finds itself in unlikely places physically and it finds itself in difficult places. Whether that is, for example, the long-term oppression in Eastern Europe or whether it's the strange new world of Zoom and Facebook Live and YouTube. It sometimes seems that in adversity, in the strange and difficult times, that the church actually discovers her true identity. That rather than just lots of branches and lots of leaves, actually there are flowers. And those flowers, carefully pollinated, whether by bees or by people, can produce fruit. There is fruit being produced in this strange time, I believe. Fruits that will nurture us and fruits that will provide seeds for a new generation. I think we can hear the Ezekiel story as something like that. What about the two stories that Jesus told us? I've preached on them both many times, as have many preachers. And I really love that story about the farmer who goes out to plant the seeds. And, and I heard echoes of this in, in what Barbara was sharing of her story as an allotment holder and a grower. You go out and you sow the seeds and then you have to wait and see. You don't have control over the sun or the wind or the squirrels or the slugs or the magpies. You can do your bit. You can make sure you water the ground when it's dry. You can put nets over your plants to protect them. But none of it is a guarantee. All you can do is wait and see. And sometimes there are incredible surprises. I had one of my hmm moments when uh, Barbara talked about her apple trees because I also want to talk about an apple tree. If you happen to live in my part of Glasgow, and if you walk through Hindland Station into the grounds of the Gartnaval Hospitals complex, there's a row of apple trees. And I remember them being planted five or six years ago, I think it was now, maybe a little bit more. But within weeks of them being planted, one of those trees had been really badly vandalised. The branches had been snapped off and it looked very sad and sorry. And I really feared for that tree. I expected that it would be dug up and taken away. But it wasn't. It was left. And it survived. In fact, it not only survived, but it continues to thrive. All the other apple trees in that row have grown big and tall and slender and they produce lots of fruit. But the marvel is this little short, stumpy, misshapen perhaps tree also is laden with apples. It's a place where little tiny mini beasts can find food and shelter. It attracts birds. It offers hope and encouragement. And I think of the, the many people who walk the path to that hospital. Some will never notice the tree. 
but some will. And some of them may be broken and bruised and fearful for their very lives. And yet here is a lived parable, an enacted story of hope and growth and new life. The kingdom of God is like a small stunted tree on the edge of a hospital. Day and night it draws in nutrients, nobody knows how, and year by year it bears good fruit. Could the same be true for the church with a big C? Our church with a little C? Us as a community and as individuals? Hopefully, the vast majority of people who are UK-based and tune in regularly will have received an envelope through the post. So not this particular design, but uh, this one I'm going to post onto Rachel. I, I realised as I saw Rachel uh, sign in that I didn't have her address, so I haven't sent her one. So Rachel, this one will come to you after the service. I couldn't post them overseas because the seeds in there are wildflower seeds. They are British native wildflower seeds, and it would be quite wrong to introduce those into other lands. We all know the damage that has been done globally by people just thinking, hey, I can take this from there and plant it there. I don't even know what's in there because the company I bought it from didn't tell me. So the invitation, if you receive some of these seeds, is that you plant them. And, and I know a couple of people already have because they e emailed me this morning and said, thank you so much for the seeds. I've just planted them. Hopefully I've not put them off now they know they're wildflowers. But it's up to you what you do with them. You could just come in a drawer. You could plant them in a garden or an allotment if you have one. You could plant them in a pot. You could scatter them by the wayside. And there's no guarantees. They might grow, they might not. But you have to just like trust, don't you? That's what the kingdom of God is about, that you take the seeds and you plant them and you wait and see patiently, hopefully. So hopefully you, most of you have some seeds and, and these will get posted later on today. But whatever you do with them and whatever happens to them, I think that in their smallness and their vulnerability, they remind us of the God who never ceases to surprise us and whose promises are trustworthy and true. Jesus said, 
the kingdom of God is like a tiny little seed that has the potential to grow into a large leafy bush, offering food and shelter for birds and insects. And so as we bring our prayers to God, let's keep that metaphor in our minds. Let us pray. God of small things, such as tiny little seeds that seem so dull and lifeless. We bring to you the small thing of our prayers for those we know and love and for those we may never know as anything more than a name or a place in a list of those that we are called to love. We start close to home with the people and families from our church prayer diary. You, loving God, know the needs and desires of everyone we will name. We pray that in the days ahead, they will find safe shelter as your love spreads over them like the branches of a leafy green tree. We pray too that seeds of hope will take root in their hearts and homes as they face their own unique opportunities and challenges in the days ahead. And so we name before you Edith and Tom, Bethany and their wider family, Emma and Drew, Wendy, Steve, Neil, Anita and Bonnie, Dr Beth and her family, Joyce and Morag. We give you thanks for our church community, now extended by technology to reach across oceans and time zones. Help us to relish the potential that opens up to form new and deeper relationships as we chat in our coffee groups each week and as we learn with and from each other. We move more widely to pray for our Scottish Baptist churches and for those who serve at the Baptist Union of Scotland. We pray that in each local context, you will enable healthy growth in discipleship and service that the fruit of your spirit will be abundantly shared in congregations and communities. And so we name before you the churches at Greenock, Hamilton, Hairstains, Hoyek and Hallensborough. Bless them and guide them as in each fellowship they begin to determine how best to sustain and nurture themselves in the coming months. And we pray also for the administrative staff at the Baptist Union, Lynn and Beatrice, that you would encourage and energise them in all they seek to do. Wider and further, our prayers reach out to faraway places about which we know very little. BMS World Mission invite us to pray for pioneering projects funded through their Mission Initiative Fund 
often in remote and challenging contexts. Like the farmers in our stories this morning, they work hard to sow the seeds of new ideas, to protect the green shoots of projects, and to empower local people to flourish and to grow. From the provision of sewing machines to women in Thailand, to sanitation projects in Afghanistan, from speech therapy in Uganda, to safeguarding children and vulnerable people in Mozambique, from social justice in Tunisia, to community cohesion in Nepal. May these tender shoots of hope and liberation, justice and healing grow strong and bear much good fruit as your love is made known. Beyond the narrow confines of the church, local and global, we pray for the world of which we are part. As here in Scotland, great progress is being made towards the control and elimination of the coronavirus. We are keenly aware that globally, the crisis continues to grow and more and more lives are lost or drastically affected by this cruel disease. So we pray for our whole world, for all of us are interconnected. Asking that compassion and common sense will shape responses now. And that the work of scientists seeking effective controls and potential cures will be fruitful. We pray for the leaders of all nations and devolved administrations that rather than the allure of power and celebrity, they might nurture values of integrity, truth, kindness and wisdom that are key to healthy societies and just infrastructures. In a few moments of silence, we bring to God the people and places on our own hearts, trusting that even the tiniest prayer like the seed of the mustard bush, has the potential to grow into something really significant. God of mustard seeds and grapevines. God of seed time and harvest. God who tells the stories of hope and love. Hear our prayers, which we offer in the name of Jesus. Amen.
God of the prophets, lead us out in joy and bring us back in peace. God of the mystics, plant us where we may truly flourish. God of the storytellers, grant us shade by day and shelter by night. God who we meet in Jesus, inspire us, challenge us and accompany us today and every day. Amen.